Hello and welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I am Justin. I'm Darren. And today we're going to be discussing Little Nightmares. I like Little Nightmares, but I do not like it as much as my friend who is somewhat obsessed with this game. Almost as much as Inside. Almost. He has made the main character Six his profile picture on Steam. And it has been there for a long time. He hasn't changed. This is a game that he was pleading and begging me to play and really, really saying that we had to play it to talk about it on the podcast. It's one of the first games, I think. We've waited a whole year, pretty much, to to, to do this. By the time this airs, it'll, it'll almost have been a year since we talked about getting this discussed and put up on the podcast. Right. So I played it for the first time... A couple weeks ago, in preparation for this episode, I played through part of it, but I was running a bit out of time, so I watched a previous world record speedrun, which was pretty amazing. Was it 40 minutes? It was just over. That one was, uh, it was about 40 minutes and 20 seconds, I think. But the current world record is now sub 40, which apparently was the big goal for a long time. <laughs> That's just nuts. Yeah, so I might talk about that a bit as we go through it, uh, but it was really amazing to see how quickly this game could be played. But at the same time, keep in mind that the normal first-time playthrough, I would say, is somewhere between four to five hours. Uh, but the game, as it stands now, the base price is roughly about $25. Yeah, it's not cheap, and that's something I want to talk about later, especially with the DLC um, right, so that only gives you four chapters. You get kind of three more chapters with a different character in the DLC. If you get them together, that's still that's about $38 at the moment. But if you buy them separately, like I did, you that's about 50 So you would definitely, if you're going to get the DLC, buy them both at the same time. And they don't often go on sale, and even when they do, it's not a great sale. So beware of that. That will be part of kind of our evaluation. You would recommend people play it, though. I would. I, I'm i really torn, because I, I do love this game. You're right. It's my avatar. It's something that I've really enjoyed. I like the story. I like everything. But at the end of the day, I wrote a review for it on Steam, and I advised against buying the DLC. The DLC isn't as good as the base game. It does add a little bit of lore. It adds something to the story. In fact, it adds... It's based on the gnome DLC. It explains what the gnomes are, the little triangle head dudes. But it's very short for the price. And it, like you said, it never goes on sale. So if you're like me and you're an early adopter of the game and you bought the base game, they're basically milking you dry by never putting the DLC on, on sale. And I think, that's, I think that's unfair. And that's something to do with the gaming culture today and they, they, like the, the, the way that a lot of big companies are marketing their stuff. They're just milking everyone for every single penny. But the game itself is what I would probably say is a platformer, puzzle platformer. Hmm. I would say that it is not proper 3D. I would say something like 2.5D. Yeah, yeah. And at times that's a problem. It's not a perfect game, but it is a visually interesting game. It is a creepy game with out jump scares it is the kind of game that has a great kind of atmosphere throughout and i think that it's 
kind of unique in the way that it looks and the way that kind of the story works. It feels good. It feels special. It feels unique. So I definitely enjoy this game, but I'm not obsessed with this game. So I would recommend it as a play. I think it's a fun game to play. I think that there's a lot of interesting moments in the game that make it worth playing. Yeah, it's got a good soundtrack. I like the, like, one of the main things that really draws you in from the very get-go for this game is the sound effects. I love how everything, like, creaks and groans under your feet. You know, every step you take has a unique sound effect, almost. You're also on a ship, so a lot of times the levels will kind of rock gently back and forth, which plays into some of the physics and the platforming that you have to accomplish. But this game seems to be made for controllers, so... If you're like me and you're a keyboard and mouse player, it's like some of the some of the jumps can be a bit tricky, especially in the 2.5D environment where you're trying to judge where you're supposed to be jumping to. And I would say even with the controller, it can still be awkward. But I can only imagine what it would be like with the keyboard. There were there were points, especially in the DLC, where if you're a keyboard and mouse player, they expect you to have three hands. Yeah, it gets pretty hairy at points, and it was really frustrating for me. Um, like the end towards the end of the DLC. So I think basically we're saying it's worth playing, but $25, I mean, at this point, it's still a new-ish game, but it's starting to get to the point where if it was on console, it was starting to be hit like the greatest hits level of price and it would be dropping. You'd be able to get newer versions cheaper or you'd be able to buy used copies. So I, I don't think that 25 is a good price for it. Just going by our kind of standard of hours of play versus price. Yeah. There is some replayability, if that's your thing. There are different hidden things that you can find, achievements that you want to earn, if that's your thing. Then, yeah, you could double that time if you want to get into the speed run realm of this game, which apparently is quite a thing, and try to get faster than about... 38 minutes. <laughs> I cannot imagine doing that. <laughs> Good luck. This is the type of game to do that for. It is short. It is kind of platform. There's a lot of things going on for that, but that's not my thing. I don't want to have to worry about every door and whether or not it's going to cost me five seconds to do one thing versus another, but it is a beautiful thing to see. Mm. So that's Little Nightmares. We'd recommend it, but with the caveat, beware you're paying a lot for a short game. Okay, so welcome to the spoiler section. Yeah. Uh, what do we want to say? So basically, because Darren loves this game so much, I kind of decided to let him run how he wanted to. How do you want to talk about Little Nightmares? What's your plan? Rather than going level by level, mm -hmm. maybe go character by character. Because each character is unique to each level anyway. And because we're going to try and fill in the gaps, then as we talk about the characters, we can talk about the theories behind the story and kind of fill in the story along the way. But yeah, so I mean, basically what we got to say is what's Little Nightmares about? And I guess we could have said this in the spoiler-free section, but I've written something that is basically fat, greedy people bored the maw, which, <laughs> one, which once a year surfaces somewhere in the world to hold a decadent feast. The Maw being a giant ship. Though, I, how do you know it's once a year? From the website. All right, see, this this is already a real problem I have, is games having this kind of lore outside of the actual game. It used to bother me a lot, even in the original NES days, where 
most of the story would be in the book that came with the game. Yeah. Even further back, the Atari, well, pretty much you kind of had to do it in the Atari days. That's how they got away with it. I don't want lore being told to me on the website. I want it to be told in the game. And I, for me, I agree. it's not canon if it's not in the game. Uh, I, I agree. I, I, I'm i a big fan of like making theories and coming up with stuff. But for this podcast, for what we're going to talk about today, I think that I just want to focus on what's in the game. And the, and the DLC. Like, if it's in the game, then it's going to be in my theory. There are comic books of Little Nightmares. I'm not talking about those. Uh, I've read them. And they're officially sanctioned. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I guess so. But they're not written, as far as I know, I don't know if they're written by the same people. Um, but it's like you're out- outsourcing your story. And, and I think it's kind of cheating. They're like, oh, we've come up with this really good idea. But, okay, it's maybe it's not finished. And... So now they're like, okay, well, we want to write a comic about it. Okay, well, you do that. And it's like, how about this? Is this okay? Sure, whatever. And it's not the original kind of idea, you know? Do you know what I mean? It's like it's evolving and changing, and you are you could put in crazy things and ideas, and I, I disagree with that. I'm with you on that. I If it's not in the game, it's not canon. I have an issue with this mainly because of things like uh, Star Wars, for example. Star Wars has a huge set of books and ancillary stuff yeah. that has been done about Star Wars. And a lot of it involved the main characters, but clearly has nothing to do with what's actually happening in the movies. Other things, too. Uh, Doctor Who has a huge array of stuff to read, to listen to, based on the characters. But none of that stuff actually... well. Doctor Who is a, a way where it could happen and not really affect what's going on in the show. And that's fine. But it's not part of it. But you could very easily put something in the comic that would not actually fit. That would somehow contradict something that happened in the show. And so I think that there's a wonderful world of stuff to be taken in. And to enjoy that world. But when you're talking about actual canon and sticking to what's here i feel like with little nightmares if they come out with a sequel then anything that happened in the comics and all of that doesn't really matter if it contradicts what's happening in the game yeah because in in the comics they've got some they've got some really crazy there's something called the north wind which is this invisible force that can warp reality they've got a person called the ferryman that takes six aboard them all um, they've got other kids in little raincoats, which kind of... I feel like they took a lot of liberties with the comic. I don't like it. I'm sorry. I mean, it's it's a nice comic to read. But there were four issues planned. They only did two. And the second one is completely just wide open. They they leave... They they they, they leave you asking more questions than, they, than what they answer. They're being purposely vague. Yeah, they're being purposely vague. There's also a data mine, which I'm not going to talk about either. Um, basically, some 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 guy went in and hacked the game and found all the old files that they just left in. So, like three D models for the faces of Six and the Geisha, um, models for the chefs, uh, the janitor, everything. And so you can get a, it's really nice to have like a detailed look at thought process, I guess, of building the characters. But as far as the faces go, it's like oh, it is Six, you know, 
the the daughter of the geisha. They look so similar. Um, well, no, it's probably it's probably just a three D model. They had to put something there, so they probably just and the, the, to be fair, it's not a very great looking three D model. It's just very pixel not pixelated, very polygonal, just slapped on. It was probably just for the 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 engine to satisfy the engine. There's also the issue of just artistic style. If you look at Miyazaki's faces, quite a lot of them look the same, but that doesn't mean that all the characters are related. They're all related. They're all inbred. Yeah, so the data mine was interesting. Like, there's a, there's one where you can see the tag of the janitor and you find out his name is Roger. Um, but yeah, stuff like that is, is fun. But is it canon? No, because it was not meant to be seen. And it was just left behind. It was it was jettisoned, you know? It was, it's not part of the story. Let's start with the first main kind of bad guy that we have, and that's the janitor. And you say there's only one? One what, sorry? One janitor? Yeah. I was under the impression that there were multiple ones. Oh, maybe. maybe. I, 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 I didn't even think about that. Why do you think there's more than one? It just seems that at times it would be very difficult for that janitor to be everywhere that we go. Mm. So, for example, there's the area where we have to run away from the janitor through a kind of dripping tunnel and through a, a room of weird, like, clocks, empty clocks or something like that, climbing up books, and then we get to the top and there's a janitor already in this kind of library. So it just seems a bit odd that he would be there. And then also we jump across the piano to another section and we encounter the janitor again. So for that to happen, it seems like he would have to be following us all the way through. Um, I think that's kind of something that I talk talk about later on, maybe with the gnomes. Um... Okay. But I, I just always suspected that there was more than one. Like, like, so, I mean, for example, did you notice that some areas, like when you look at the mall, the backdrops, everything is huge. There's big piles of books, like you said. We're, we're minuscule by proportion. Yet, some points, the stairs are perfectly six-sized. The tunnels are minuscule then, by comparison. Like the tunnels that you're talking about, the leaky tunnels that you're climbing through. The, the It's like a drainage system. is very small. It's like, like really different. Like I think the janitor moving around is probably quite easy because he's much bigger than us. I don't I, I didn't see that as a, an, an issue. I think we're so small and tiny, it takes us a long time to run, run through. But for him, it's maybe just going from one room to the next room. doesn't move particularly fast, though. We well, can run just slightly faster than him. And he's often loping. I mean, he has the tiny, what, tiny legs? Yeah. <laughs> that he gets around on with gigantic rubbery arms. Yeah. He's wrapped in the bandages. He can't see... So he's basically like listening and smelling mm, to yeah. find us. I don't know. I just always felt that, especially the part between the piano, that piano gap, and then seeing another one, it seems a bit of a stretch that he would have followed us all the way through all of that and not gotten distracted by a gnome at some point because he always gets distracted by gnomes if they're nearby. Because he loves them. Because the janitor is a sweet, loving, caring character. I don't believe that at all. Well, the janitor is the only person in the whole game that we that doesn't kill us. We that, can, that we know of. Yeah, exactly. He's the only person that we that doesn't kill us. In his room, he has pictures of gnomes on his wall. He has some kind of affection for them. 
He, so he has pictures of gnomes. He is basically, I think he's kind of like the part when you switch on the TV. Yeah. And he's just like hugging the television and just like caressing the TV. It's like, he's a very simple kind of, I feel sorry for the janitor. I like the janitor. Um, he takes care of the kids in the kid prison, which is a bit weird. But, you know, he t- he's, he's the kid's babysitter. He's on the lower levels of the mall. He's kind of the lowest rung of that society, in my opinion. And I kind of feel sorry for the janitor. I like him. I don't think he's bad. Uh, I know he does package up dead children. Which was the point I was about to make, yeah. <laughs> but it, you never see him kill anyone. Uh, and the kids that he does wrap and send for the sausage processing, they're already dead somehow. We never find out how they die. It might be by his hand, or it might just... I don't like the janitor because of how quickly and easily the janitor seems to find me, even though he's blind. He's got a good sense of hearing. Stop making noises. Get on that rug. He can <laughs> reach right through anything and find me. Yeah, which is odd because that's something I want to talk about later once we talk, once we start talking about the geisha. Um, is The janitor just is an oddity. He's not... If everyone else was just normal and kind of human-like... That would be fine, but he's, his arms just baffle me. Like, why does he have those spindly, weird, elongated, like, circus freak arms? I don't know. I don't understand that. Yeah, so anyway, the janitor is, in my opinion, he's the, the nicest character of the game. Is he's, he? Okay. So uh, then... I think so. I mean, mm. I think basically what he does is he captures you. Yeah. And then he takes you back to your room, essentially. You know, I, you never see him... Like, the chefs will stuff you in the fish head or they'll put you in the pot the the geisha obviously kills you on sight the the, the guests will eat you alive um the shoe monster will grab you and take you under the shoes whatever um yeah everyone else kills you on on, on site or you at least see your fate but with the janitor it's like he just picks you up and almost hugs you he's almost like oh little little girl come on <laughs> but no, I mean, and the, the fact that he's got pictures of gnomes in his in his room is a dead giveaway for me. Which leads me to gnomes. Now, the gnomes, the are, gnomes are little guys with cone heads that they're seem like, mini, like they're made of paper. They're like mini mini uh, triangle head guys from Silent Hill. That's exactly what I thought too when I saw them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the little scary dudes in, in a work in progress. Let's hope they're not that many triangle heads out there. Yeah, please don't be. That scared me to death when I played that the first time. But the gnomes, this is huge spoilers. If you've, if you've also, maybe if you've not played the DLC yet, which a lot of people haven't, this is a point where there's going to be massive spoilers coming up because the, 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 the secrets of the mod DLC is basically all about the gnomes. And this is something that... You've not played it either. I've not played it because you've kind of warned me that price-wise it's probably not worth it so yeah i i'll be spoiled as well so i don't know uh so tell us about the gnomes because all i know is that they tend to hide in places and then if i find their hiding place they run away and i can occasionally go and hug them and they look cute they sound a bit cute but that's about it so tell us about the gnome all right so the gnomes are and this confused me when i played the base game because the gnomes are really strange that we don't know what they are who they are where they come from what their purpose is nothing we know that they're scared of you they run away from you they hide in the shadows and in little in little cracks in the wall and if you do something nice for them like light a 
fire or corner them essentially and hug them, then they'll follow you and they'll be they'll be nice to you. We find out a lot about the gnomes in the DLC. Basically, the gnomes are there to work the ship. They fire the coal, like steam-powered engines. They they're basically donkeys. They 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 carry stuff from A to B. They're they're slaves on the mall. But most importantly, the gnomes are children who have been transformed into gnomes. And the person that does this is the geisha. At the end of the DLC, you're playing as this this kid who basically escapes from his bed in the janitor's room. And you you travel a lot of the way that Six went, but you kind of go in the opposite direction and, and through a different path. But you sometimes see her like way down below you doing what you did in the base game, which is kind of cool. Like you, you kind of cross paths. But at the end of the DLC, you get caught, you get captured by the geisha and she just kind of snaps her fingers and you turn into a gnome. She just transforms you on the spot and then you pick up a sausage. So yeah, the, the gnome that Six eats at the end of the base game is this kid from the DLC. Um, and that's the biggest kind of, that's the coolest part of the DLC. Unfortunately, everything else is a mess. Uh, but you do get to see a lot more of, of what the gnomes are. So, and, th- and that's why I think that lots of the levels in the base game are kind of, some of them are perfectly sized for six and the gnomes because they work the villages, they work the, the power plants, they work, they work in the lower levels, which you're traveling through, which is why as you progress up through the mall, everything becomes much bigger and the tables are huge and stuff like that. So yeah, so the gnomes were were once children and maybe being a gnome is a good thing because otherwise you're going to end up as food and maybe that's why Six doesn't eat the sausage and rather eats the gnome. <laughs> I have no idea. Like maybe she knows that the sausages are, are like soiling green. Well, if she's trying not to eat a child but she's <laughs> eating a gnome... <laughs> It's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Isn't it? If we're going to talk about food, then I guess the next level is the the chefs. Okay. Yeah, the, the chefs. The oh. lumpy, almost kind of misshapen clay face, obese but not to the level of the guests. And they kind of more than anything else, I think the different levels of size that we have going with the characters reminded me, especially when I got to the chefs of. Fraggle Rock, and okay. I felt like well because it's a similar setup, right? Yeah, okay, a similar setup. I never thought of that actually. That's a good comparison. Very large people, ridiculously large people, trying to eat a smaller people. That the doozers. You know, yeah. No. Well, no, you don't try to eat the. Doozers. Well, they, they eat their their. Uh, what do they eat? They eat their roads. Yeah, and they stuff. eat their doozer sticks, right? The stuff that they construct with. with. But yeah. I'm thinking more of the gorgs. The bigger ones that were always trying to eat the fraggles oh right okay yeah yeah. Yeah. and they're also kind of big and kind of lumpy and so the size the fact that they're trying to eat them just kind of reminded me of that show and how that kind of dynamic worked And so here we are with these really odd-looking, lumpy chefs cooking in their giant pots, and we're running around and trying to get keys from them and get onto elevators before they can get on. Luckily, 
Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, these elevators don't do the safety sensor where they just pop a hand in because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise we would never be able to escape. Yeah, the, the chefs are... I like the chefs. They're not like the janitor. They're not friendly. They will kill you on sight, pretty much. But I like their characters. They say so much without saying anything at all. I like how they reach under their faces to scratch their real faces underneath. Like, they, they, the faces that they're wearing are actually just, like... I don't know what that is. Dead skin. I have a theory on that for later, but to me, it does look it does look a lot like the guests, like you, like what you're saying. Um, but I don't really have a lot to say about the the, the chefs. They they freaked me out when I first played it. Um, it is interesting that hunger is a really strong theme in this game. Six goes through several stages of hunger pangs, and the whole game is centered around eating and taboo eating um so the chefs are pretty important uh the game actually was originally called hunger uh before the publishing house bought it they changed the, the game to little nightmares so you can you can definitely see where they were going with this this idea it, it reminds me a lot and i think probably this is not a new idea but it reminds me a lot of city of lost children this game like city of lost children was a movie about they would steal kids to feed off... The adults would feed off their dreams or something like that. Was that right? It's something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas this is they're literally stealing children to feed on them. So I wonder, I wonder if they had City of Lost Children in mind when they were kind of making this game. And I wonder if someone on the team is maybe a, a fan because it certainly reminded me of that movie a lot. But one thing that we do learn again to add to the theory that's going on that we're building up to here is that the the chefs are not serving just children only right there's fish heads there's all kinds vegetables, of vegetables but there's huge steaks as well of meat did you get to see the part later on in the guest level where the chef goes into the room and murders one of the guests and bridges him on the on the on the spot no i didn't see that okay so We'll get to that bit later, but I may as well mention it now, is that I think that the guests are lured onto the ship and then also butchered for the next feast. Well, if we're going to talk about the guests, uh, I do want to talk just a bit about the maw. Go for it, yeah. As we finish up with the chef level and we yeah. jump onto the hook, and we, which, by the way, one of my problems with this game is when you get onto something like a hook or a rope or something, you have to keep holding on. And it's often for a very long time. And so an errant sneeze once made me <laughs> let go of the button and then fall and die and then have to go back and redo a part. That's that, a problem. The game is really unforgiving with this autosaves, man. Like, you'll get, to a, you'll get through a level and then you'll die and then you'll do that wake up like... <gasps> And you're way back over here again. You're like, oh, come on. Right. Even if I've lit the torch or something, sometimes it doesn't seem to work. And there are times where I, the first time I played through, I fell. And because I fell, I had to go all the way back around to maybe get the key that I had oh. left or that I missed. Like, there's all sorts of little things that I did that made me have to do like an extra 15 minutes and that's really frustrating the dlc is really bad for that it's 
punishing for autosaves. Like, there's some parts where it puts you back, like, yeah, 10 minutes almost. And the, just to drop in about the, the DLC as well, it's like Little Nightmares, I felt, was very linear. You knew where you were going. You knew what you had to do. It was just a case of how do I do it? Like in the janitor's room, you got a key on the table. You can jump on the bed. You can climb up the things. You can get the key. You know you're supposed to take this key somewhere and do something, but there's an obstacle in your path, and it's that 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 puzzle is pushing the wall because it's a fake wall, which I was stuck on for far too long. Really? <laughs> I remember playing that for the first time, going, "I can't get out of the room because you drop in through the window. I can't get back out." I didn't know where to go because I'm holding the key. You can't push the wall when you're holding the key. I didn't, oh, okay. I didn't think to drop the key and push the wall because I knew that wall. It's obviously fake. Right. But I was like, where's the keyhole? There's a secret door here. Where's the keyhole? Trying everything. So putting the key down, jumping against the wall, trying to hang on to the paintings, trying to do something to reveal a keyhole. Oh, no, no. You just walk into it and she automatically pushes it open. Oh. Um, but the DLC is kind of non-linear in like you can there's like a main hub to the to the game in in one of the chapters and you can go in multiple directions and you can get to some places and you're like oh it's almost like the janitor's room like i don't know what i'm doing i don't know what i'm doing i don't know what i'm doing and then you find out like 45 minutes later it's like oh no i'm not supposed to be there yet i have to do this thing that does something for this room Uh, oh that's really annoying man it's really annoying you finish with the chef and then you they have that little kind of it's not really a cutscene because you still have to do the action but where you get to the outside of the ship and you're oh yeah yeah, yeah, up the ship and you see uh, there's one beautiful thing between kind of every level just before you start the janitor levels you would see the janitor off into the distance the chef as you're hanging on to hooks. Smoking a cigarette. Yeah, yeah. And that's beautiful. You see what you're about to be facing. So you would see this huge line of just incredibly obese and wiggly, wobbly people walking onto the ship. The ship, which, by the way, from what we could see, is just this lumpy, huge unattractive thing it's almost as though it represents the people that are climbing inside of it and there's something really beautiful about that and the way that that works that's a really amazing scene i love that when you're you're basically climbing up the chain yeah and the the camera pans way out to show how small you are and how big everything is and then kind of zooms back in on you yeah that that was a amazing shot i like that um, the guests are, yeah, I just saw them as slobbering, gluttonous. I even put in inverted commas, humans. You know, I, I don't even know what they are. I'm guessing they're human, but they're just monsters almost. Oddly, though, as they're walking in, some of them appear to be wearing masks. Yes. But then once they start eating, none of them seem to have masks anymore. There's one of them wearing masks in the chase scene where they come through the, the shutter doors. Um Masks is another theme of this game that we'll talk about in a second. But yeah, so they they basically they're boarding so they're boarding the maw from another ship. So they're they're coming to the maw. Uh, the maw seems to me like an iceberg. You know, it's like it's mostly underwater, but then I think it surfaces 
and people board it. Like, so you think it's like a submarine? I think it's like a submarine almost because it's got that. Like at the end of the game, it's got that massive chimney basically that's sticking out of the top. So is that part of the mall? I wasn't sure. I think if that's so. What it yeah, was. yeah, yeah. I think because I mean, she walks up the stairs at the end, and she pops out, and she's on that little. It's almost like an island. Right. I I I think it's some kind of submarine basically. Yeah. The 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 guests are all kind of similar looking, overweight, ugly. Um, they're fully aware of what they're eating. They know they're being. They they know that they're being cannibals, which says a lot about the world that or the the universe that Little Nightmares is set in. They really want something raw and fresh because they will give up a huge tableful of food to try and pick up six. Yeah, she's like a delicacy almost. And the the thing that really weirded me out as well is that they eat her with her raincoat even on. They don't even take it off. They're just um. Yeah, nice plastic raincoat. Which maybe they spit it out later. Maybe, maybe. Uh, but this is kind of another thing. Well, this is actually feeds into the mask theory, which is somewhere in this papers uh, in front of me. But, but yeah, yeah. When they see six, they go into this like feeding frenzy. Like you said, they'll they'll throw everything out of the way. They'll try and catch you and stuff you in their mouth. And they kind of crawl, wiggle uh, across the floor. Oftentimes, I don't know what they're saying because we saw them walk. We know they can walk. Mm. So I don't know if that's a more effective predatory technique, if they just like the way that that looked. I'm not exactly sure why they've chosen that, but it is creepier. Yeah, it is really creepy when they do it, especially when the whole boy, like, 20 of them are chasing you that way. And that's a beautiful scene, that kind of tsunami of flesh that's chasing after you. (laughs) With the traditional Japanese paintings of waves right behind you, that's really, really well done. And that's quite an epic kind of chase and run platforming bit. And it's not very long. It's really not. But it's very memorable, I think. Yeah, yeah. But like you said, some of the guests wear masks and... Yeah, some of them wear, wear masks. And this is a recurring theme throughout the game. The geisha wears a mask. The chefs are wearing a skin mask. The janitor is, is wrapped in bandages. Is wrapped like in bandages, or I didn't think he was wrapped in bandages. I felt like it was the, the another face, like the chef's, but it had been kind of rolled down past his eyes, and it reveals like this kind of very smooth head that he's got, which is part of my theory that the whole maw is puppets. Um, powered by flesh <laughs> that makes sense but but the, the mask thing as well was really interesting because like do you know that um there's a dish in france called ortolan there's a there's a bird um basically no, it's a little sparrow kind of bird it's tiny and it, it's illegal to eat it now it's it's illegal to even uh, hunt them or, or take, take their or eggs. I don't know if it's because they're endangered. I just know that you're not allowed to do it anymore. Because well, when you hear what they did to this poor animal, you'll understand why. So basically, um, it was almost considered a rite of passage if you were a gourmet and you're into food. This was like you must try this. And so they would capture this bird. They would cover its cage, keep it in the dark. Because it was in the dark, it would feed itself more for some reason. So they'd, they'd stuff it to the gunnels. In some cases, they would pluck the eyes of this bird out so that it was c- continuously in darkness. Um, 
And then once it had kind of gorged itself to a fuller size, then they would take that bird and then just place it into a cask of ammoniac and drown it in it and basically marinate it in this. So they would kill it by drowning it in booze, basically. And then how you ate it was you would put it, you would grab it by the head and you would take it feet first into your mouth, bones, everything, and then bite it and then kind of toss the head away. And then you would pick the bones out of your mouth and just eat the whole thing uh, after it was like roasted. And how they would do this, they would put a, a big napkin over their heads and they would eat that under this napkin. And... It's a bit of kind of legend or no one really knows why they would did this why they did this. Some people think it was to savor the taste or the the smell of the the roasted bird with the with the armagnac. Um but a lot of the popular kind of theory is that it was to hide your face from God because what you were doing was so shameful. I think the masks kind of play into that a lot in little nightmares. It's like especially the whole the whole crew of the maw are wearing masks. Is it that they're so ashamed? Of what they're doing. Are they trying to hide their real identities? It, it might be nothing. But it's a nice kind of little addition to the story. Uh, from from this uh, kind of delicacy. Um, see, whereas I didn't see that at all. I just thought everybody looks creepy. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I kind of... I wasn't even sure if the chefs... If that was a mask. Or if they just had weird skin. Like weird folds of skin. All right. Oh, there's a point where you can actually see them reach under, up inside their mat, up and up under their faces to. Right, and I thought that was just poorly animated. <laughs> I thought that perhaps oh they, they went a bit too far, uh, and so it, it doesn't look quite right now. Mm-mm. But the, I kind of saw the way that their faces hang, and just kind of thought that it was just that extra, really fatty. All right. Of, okay. Mm jowls that were hanging off but uh it would make perfect sense to say that it's a mask it would also explain why they all look identical yeah and the reason that i think there's i mean another theme of of little nightmares is holocaust uh there's the room with the shoes which is iconic like holocaust imagery which to be honest i kept thinking i mean i that definitely entered my mind but the other side of me kept going why only the shoes Right. <laughs> <laughs> because they're theoretically wearing other things than just shoes, but the only thing that we see them collecting, saving clothes-wise, were the shoes. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that room baffles me, though. Like, And I didn't write this in my notes, but... The one where you have to swim through the, the shoes. The, the, the shoe monster room, basically, is what I'm going to call it. We never see that monster again, as far as we know. No. We don't even actually get to see the monster we don't know what's going on there. It seems very random in a game that's very kind of level theme oriented for this random fight or random kind of escape from a creature we can never see. Yeah, I don't I don't understand that room because the room itself is is interesting. It does answer some questions. Like for me, everything is part of a puzzle when I play these kinds of games and I come up with stupid theories about them. It's like this room is there for a reason and it is a puzzle piece. And it is, it's a dumping ground. It's like, why not just throw them overboard? Well, like the Nazis, you know, they're, they're, they can't just throw them away. They can't put them in big bags and send them off to recycling because people start asking questions. Maybe what the people in the moor are doing is um, 
secret, is illegal, is there's something else going on there. It's like they're they're hiding something from the rest of the world. And these people who I believe are being led to the mall under false pretenses for this exquisite kind of banquet of stuff never leave, I don't think. I think they go on, they're like, yay, we're going to eat kids and we're going to like be horrible people. But they end up being on the menu for the next group of people that are then put on. They take the shoes. They don't just dump them overboard. They hoard everything in the bilges, basically, of the mall. And that's why we've got these stacks and stacks and stacks of shoes. But what I don't understand in that room is there's a bucket hanging from the ceiling, like almost like a, almost like a well. I can't piece that together. I, I think this room is maybe some kind of punishment room or for the kids. It's maybe like a timeout room. I'm, I'm, I haven't really come up with a proper theory about that. And then, yeah, this, the, what did you call it? A flesh tsunami. <laughs> that's, that's a brilliant way to put that part. Um, but the geisha, I love how she's just watching everyone boarding. Yeah. So this is, in the achievement is just referred to as the lady. The lady, yeah, yeah. yeah. So throughout the game, there are the little statues that look like her that we can break. And that leads to an achievement, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I've not found all of them. So I haven't got to that one yet. But she's clearly important. She's clearly, from the time that we see her, we know that she must be in a place of power. And she's pretty much the only thin character in the entire <laughs> mall. Yeah. Outside of children. Yeah, no, she's she's super and, and this is kinda of why I've left her to like the second last character because this is where the theories start to explode because once you get to Geisha, uh well I've called her the Geisha. Uh, mm-hmm. once you get once you get to the Geisha and Six, these people are the most important characters on the mall. She's basically the boss. She's got extreme powers. I mean she can she's got telekinesis, she can levitate kids up she can shapeshift people uh into gnomes which we learn from the dlc uh she has she can uh warp through space and time in the boss fight that we see she warps in and out of air basically she's super 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 powerful um and so this gives us a lot to work with and so her job is basically i think to oversee them all and to keep it in business for some unknown reason i don't know i don't know what their overall goal is for, right. for them all. But I do think that because of our powers, we got we I can come up with maybe two ideas of, of what's going on there. So at the end of the game, we see all the room with all the mannequins. This is maybe pushing the boat out, but maybe they it would explain the janitor's stupidly long arms and out of proportion body. Like it looks like he's been cobbled together. Uh it, it, is it possible that she uses the guest's flesh to dress the mannequins. She's She can clearly manipulate people. She can change people into things. Is it possible that she just dresses a mannequin, snaps her fingers and brings it to life, and then assigns it a job on this the mall? This is why you think the janitor has a shiny bald head. Yeah, yeah, because I think he's a mannequin. Uh, so I'm half kind of sold on that idea. One because of the chefs reaching under, like they've clearly to me they've they've got just that a a, a skinned head on there on the on on top so, of whatever's so underneath. In your imagining, is she controlling them the whole time, or is she merely giving them life? I think she's probably giving them life, okay. and and like they're under her. I, I don't think she's like actually puppeting them at the, at the same time. 
But I think, yeah, I think she's either just giving them life and let, letting them, like assigning them a task, and then that's what they do forever on the mall. Also, I think that that's not too far-fetched because, again, in the DLC, there's like a kind of a porcelain doll kind of army that kind of comes at you, which is really frustrating because you need three hands to... To, to, <laughs> to, to control for the win. Oh man, I think he, I I I put something up on a on a group on Steam, and even the people that are using controllers were like, "Yeah, that was really hard." Wow. <laughs> like, so. It is possible. It is possible. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think for a keyboard mouse, people it was doubly punishing. Um, but yeah, but if they aren't being puppeted, then that's even creepier. Like <laughs> they're actually wearing faces, and that, that's kind of my whole mask hiding your shame or hiding from something something is maybe stalking them there's some kind of weird power we see that all the mirrors have been smashed on the maw which is coming up which is uh, kind of her only weakness yeah it's like is there something in the mirror is there something some other power that's kind of in opposition to the maw behind the mirrors that um that they're hiding from is that what it is? Not not God. No, they're not ashamed of what they're doing. Maybe they're hiding from this other equally evil power. Who knows? I did find it very odd that she was brushing her hair in front of a broken mirror. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's like, yes, all the mirrors have been smashed. and I guess you could still sort of see yourself in a broken uh, mirror. A shard, yeah. Yeah, so every single mirror has been smashed. And we know that an unbroken mirror is the only way to defeat her. Why? Does she have one conveniently laying around? I don't know if this is the kind of thing where she is keeping it. I mean, maybe she's keeping it because it could be useful for her against other creatures like herself. Or, I mean, that that would be the logical reason. The other reason would be that she just doesn't realize it's there, right? It's in a room, one of those tiny little sections that only six can get into. So there is that possibility as well as that she just missed one. Hmm. I hadn't thought of that, actually. What I took away from that was, I thought, well, if she's this kind of mystical, super powerful being that's basically magic and probably immortal, maybe she smashed all the mirrors but isolated that one because she knows... Imagine being immortal and does she keep that around to fulfill some kind of prophecy that she will be... Uh, deposed, or does she keep it around as a means of kind of suicide? Like, like, like. Imagine being immortal, but what are the conditions of her immortality? We don't actually know. If does she feel pain? Does she? If she breaks an arm, does it remain? Is it like a normal arm that is broken? Blah 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 blah. It, it could, could also be the kind of thing where this mirror is somehow tied to her power, and she needs to have it in order to mm. maintain a kind of. Dorian Gray picture that right. allows her to remain yeah. immortal. Yeah. So her only, like the source of her strength is also the only thing that could kill her. I like that theory. But again, these are all theories and nothing, you know, nothing can be yeah. definite. Right? But I mean, the, the weird thing, is, I'm, I'm surprised you missed that room because that's a really important room, the CCTV room, because it has maybe four, at least four or five rooms when you click through them, one of them is the room that actually shows you that mirror. Because on my first playthrough, I was like, why are they showing me this? It's not until you get to the end of the game where you're like, oh, that was in the CCTV room. They actually show you, like, 
the mirror. Here's the mirror. Um, they show you there's a one where it's just CCTV of the geisha combing her hair into a mirror, and there's there's other rooms like the the kids' rooms. The it's basically a, a listening post or a watching station kind of thing, which is interesting because it's really far down in the mall. Who who was who was using that? I think probably the hanged man that we find in the beginning of the game, because uh, he's obviously out of place in the mall. I don't know who he is. That was one of the things that really quickly made me aware of what kind of game I was playing. Yeah. <laughs> that I would walk in, I would see just the legs dangling there, knowing what had happened with the chair behind it, and then having to use that chair that he had stood on so that I can open the door. That was a really good way of storytelling with no words. That's that's all the main characters, and then we're left with six. Right, so first off, the name. I know that she is called Six, because in the very description on Steam it says that, but I don't see the number six anywhere. I don't know why she's called that. The only other six I know of was, like, from the friend on Blossom back in the 90s, and I feel like (laughs) she has nothing to do with that. So what's your theory here? Or is there something definite? There's nothing definite. This is all pie in the sky from now on here on out. But, you know, educated guess pie in the sky. I was thinking six, so she's six years old, maybe. But that doesn't really make it... That You'd have to change your nickname every year then. So, no. Um, I thought she was six of a number, like seven of nine, you know? So uh, I thought she was maybe one of six of captured children, but... When we see those kids in in cages, there's only five of them in total. So that kind of blows that theory. What do you mean? You counted five other children. In the point where the janitor kind of recaptures you and puts you in cages. And then he drags the, the kid from... Well, actually, that's another thing that is from the DLC. You also get captured by the janitor and put in that cage. Do you remember when the janitor kind of reaches in and pulls a cage out away? I think so, yeah. That's the kid from the DLC. Ah, okay. And so I thought, oh, is she one of six escapees? But no, there's only five. So no, there goes that theory. There's also tons of bodies anywhere where the seeing eye that turns people to ash. Yeah. There are definitely other kids and other kids in raincoats as well. Yeah, yeah. Then you start thinking, okay, so one of my theories was, is she is she the sixth kind of iteration of the geisha, of the lady? Like, is this a cycle that happens over and over again? Um, I like this theory, but I'm not completely sold on it because there are pictures of Six with the lady in the mall. There are pictures of Six on the wall that you can not clearly see. Some of them are around corners. Some of them... There's one part where you're actually in the lady's bedroom, I think. There's There's a picture of the lady with Six who I believe is six. She's wearing yellow. It's blatant to me. Um, so you say, but at the same time, I know I know for sure that at least one of the ash-burnt kids is wearing that kind of raincoat thing. So how do we know for sure that it's her? Yeah, and they do that in the comic books as well to deliberately muddy the water. Like, they've got four other kids with a purple raincoat, a brown raincoat, a green raincoat, yeah, but that wouldn't muddy because 
here it's yellow, right? So that would that would be clear for you yeah. that it is six. Your first theory that you told me was that it's her mother. I think, I think, it, well, it could be her mother. I'm still, or her, it's definitely a member of her family. I don't know if it's her mother or not. I, I, my, the theory that I'm resting with and I'm, I'm going to run with is she's a part of this family. I think she's the sixth member of the family. And her mother, if she is the mother, hates her so much that she didn't even bother naming her. You're just number six. Because we've got the twins. We've got the janitor. We've got the granny from the DLC that lives in the basement. Or the, the bilges, basically, of the mall. What does she look like? Uh, she looks like a weird, like... She's got, like, just strands of hair. She Basically, she's like a water... She Imagine the mermaid kid from inside, but a lot older, bigger, fatter, and uglier, and with receding hair. Okay. That's exactly what she is. There was a cool boss. She, she was she was pretty decent. Not worth the 13 bucks. To be um, yeah, so basically, I, I was saying if she was the sixth iteration of the lady, I would expect other photographs with different ladies. But your theory that she hates her so much she didn't name her, but likes her enough to take pictures with her? Well, I think she probably cast her away at some point. Uh, or, or six ran away. Like... Um, I think, yes, she's the sixth member of the family. We've got Granny, Janitor, Geisha, Chef 1, Chef 2, 6. Why Um, are the chefs part of the family? They also have pictures. Uh, There's family portraits. In the DLC as well, there's a big room of portraits as well that kind of adds to that theory. But even from the base game, you can get a sense of family just from pictures on the walls and and stuff. Um, Yeah, so basically she either... She banished 6 or 6 ran away. She's got no issues with turning six into sausages you know uh, she's not a nice person again though the masks is a huge it's almost like the masks are a thing of maybe they're a thing of honor of like what we're talking about, about hiding before maybe they're they're like badges of honor to wear because in the dlc you have different um you can actually buy different heads for six there's a teacup and there's like a grain sack like scarecrow um, in the pictures on the in some of the rooms, you see six again, who I believe to be six, wearing different. She's like got her face covered with different masks. The whole mask thing. There's definite. There's a there's a definite clue there. I think. Can I throw out another theory here? Go on. My theory is that there really isn't a coherent story or backstory for it. They made a creepy game. They probably didn't think about it much beyond what you're doing. I think that there's a possibility that these pictures, they thought it just looked good and fitting and that you're possibly making a lot of connections that aren't really there. At the same time, I think it's totally valid to go ahead and make those. They've put out the art. You now, as the receiver of the art, get to interpret it however you want. And I I especially like the kind of not really puppet master, but the kind of, well, no, actually puppet master, like the movies, like creating the life. And then they kind of have a life where they kind of follow what their master tells them to do. I like that theory a lot. I think that works pretty well, but you saying like the chefs are part of the family, but then it seems like you're also saying that they're made. I think you kind of have to choose one side or the other on there. I think these are interesting, but at the same time, this is the type of thing where you love sitting there and thinking about it. And there are certain things where I will do that, but 
this game is not one of them. I was quite happy to just take it at a creepy face value and enjoy it for what it was. So by all means, that's part of why I said, go ahead, you run this episode <laughs> because I knew that that's what you wanted to talk about. All right. So what's 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 the big one here though on your notes? I, see. I don't know. Uh, I I wrote down mystery box for some reason. Um, well, is that is that kind of like what I'm saying? Yeah, is yeah. that possibly they're putting all this out here, but they don't have a coherent backstory to support it? It very much goes with the Abrams kind of mystery box thing that we've discussed before, where the mystery is more interesting to the creator than answers. And I, that's kind of what I was going at here is I'm not sure that they really have thought it through. I like the story. I think the creepiness of the hunger itself is enough. Um, I, I would mind if Six kind of was ferried onto the ship and for some reason decided to stop it or was captured. Like the city of lost children that you mentioned before they were all kidnapped and then taken someplace. And that was how I originally thought this was working. You see children in cages being taken off to be made into food. Either they're made in kind of a factory here on ship or they're captured and brought here, which was more the way that I was leaning. At. Yeah, I would agree with that. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think they're being kidnapped and, and brought here again. In, in such great numbers and why like because they're not the, they're not the main course you know the kids you know no those would be some pretty tiny stakes yeah <laughs> six is about the size of a rat in this world yeah yeah so I I get the feeling it's a, it's a family and even if it's a family of puppets so be it that's that that that's fine that doesn't that doesn't bother me if they're real or if they're if they're real and just wearing masks or if they're all mannequins and she's built her own family fair enough but at some point she cast six out uh perhaps because going in with my seven deadly sins oh well, let's not jump into that just yet. uh talk about the ending yeah so in the very end mm -hmm. six defeats the lady mm -hmm. and in doing so at that moment, feels the hunger again. Which, by the way, I do want to say, the hunger is one of the best parts of the game. The way you hear the heartbeat, the way the music changes, the way the lights flicker. The stomach growling. The stomach growling, the animation that Six has. It's a really just beautiful, haunting image and yeah. seen every time. And the way that that hunger goes from or getting a bit of bread from somebody who feels a bit sorry for. Again, another thin person kind of in bars, so I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, but then leading up to, you know, eating a rat that's caught into a cage, to choosing the gnome over the sausage, for whatever reason, to now, here's a person. Yeah. She takes of her and then becomes powerful. So by eating her, she does gain power, right? This is somewhat a theory in a lot of kind of folklore, this kind of gaining of power by taking from other people. It's one of the basis for the idea of vampirism, right? So 
that ending scene where after she's partaken of the lady and she's walking amongst the guests and the lights are kind of exploding and sparking and as she walks past each guest and they reach for her and she kind of sucks the life out of them, sucks the soul out of them, that is an ending scene that just felt very worthy and felt very... I don't know, it it made the game feel kind of worthwhile playing. I often feel a bit disappointed in end scenes and end cutscenes, but this one fit perfectly. And it took the character to the kind of next level of power and also what she was. And so I, I really liked that end scene a lot, and I think that worked well. And so I'm not exactly sure if I want to take that from Six just seeking power, or if she was really seeking to end things and for freedom, but in doing so, she gained this power and makes me wonder if they do make a sequel, if she's going to be going on to stop this kind of thing happening in other places. Perhaps the mall was not the only evil kid eating place yeah. there was. Yeah. Yeah. That, that ending is, is really awesome. And th- that's kind of, she is the little nightmare. You know, she's the little nightmare of the geisha. She's the problem. And she knows that she's coming for her, I think. And even though Six is having that dream at the start with the geisha kind of turning around and looking at her, it's almost like Six is stalking her in a sense. It's reversed. And maybe she made a mistake by not killing her, by sending her away. And now she's played with this problem. Like, she's coming for me. She's coming for me. She's coming for me. And she does, and she wins, and yeah, we're left with like, well, what happens? She's gained the trust of the gnomes, they kind of follow her out at the end, and wave goodbye to her, she's going up the stairs. Um, Yeah, what kind of person is Six going to become? Is she going to take over the Maw and continue the cycle? Or is she, yeah, like you said, is she going to bring it, bring it all down? But that's it, it's like, I mean, I... I was kind of thinking, like, is the mall actually some kind of safe haven, though, for for children? I know they're butchered and eaten, but... (laughs) That kind of makes it not a safe haven, but go on. Um, Like, I know it's a prison. I know some of them are turned into sausages or gnomes. Um, But is the mall declaring war on greed and gluttony in the world? Is it declaring war on... Is it just is this one of the fronts on the in the battle against one or two of the seven deadly sins? Uh, and to fight the monster, you also have to become the monster. I don't know. All right. Does, do you want to talk about your seven deadly sins theory? Then? It's very short. Yeah, yeah. It's very short. It's also very weak. I think. But go on. <laughs> it, it, it is. I just tacked I tacked this on at the end. Um, but yeah, so we've got gluttony, greed, pride, envy, wrath, sloth, and lust. Um, if you go to the official kind of way that they're written out, I don't actually know what the order is, but I, my jaw kind of dropped when I saw what was number six, which again is six, the name six in the thing. Wrath is number six on the deadly sins. And so on my list, I've got, okay, well, what, who represents each sin? So I've got... Gluttony is, resent, is is represented by the guests. Greed is also represented by the guests. Yeah, this is where I think <laughs> this connection is kind of at its weakest. 
we only have a handful, not seven. But go on, go on. A handful of what, sorry? Characters to fit. Oh, right, to yeah, 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 yeah. That was the problem. That was. It would be nice if there was one for each sin, but they kind of right. cross, cross over. Which is why I asked you, uh, before we started recording about the DLC, if that would match, because there are four chapters in the main story, and then there would be three in the DLC, so seven would fit perfectly if that's what worked, even if they double up one and then, as you said, uh, Wrath was number six, then it, it would still be okay, but yeah. no. Yeah, no, it's not the case. But yeah, Pride, the Geisha. Envy, perhaps the Geisha as well, maybe that's why she sent six away. Wrath is probably six because she she becomes a murderer herself. Sloth, I guess, again, the guests or maybe the leeches. That's a, that's a weak a weak link. Uh, lust, I think the hang the hanged man, um, and also if he's the same person as the person behind the two way mirror, because there's a chair there. It's he's, he's obviously watching he's watching people go to the bathroom. You know, it's like that's a bit creepy, um, or whoever that person is. But that's when I realized like, oh wow, six the sixth deadly sin is wrath, and that is what I labeled six's character as. That was kind of a... It's certainly not what the game is based around, but it's an interesting little point. Right. That I don't think anyone else has picked up on. Yeah, and I I think there's a reason for that. Hey, come on. <laughs> settle that. <laughs> um, I, I just think that that is a kind of weak theory because you're just kind of throwing them out there. I also think the Seven Deadly Sins are a bit overdone, and I kind of don't want to attach that to something that does feel original. Uh, but yeah, so... I, I don't know. Before you jump to your conclusion, though, I would like to just talk about a couple things that I did really like in the game. Mm-hmm. So for the most part, it is platforming and a bit of stealth. But there are some things that I really, really enjoy about this game. One is climbing. Uh, it works very, very well. I would appreciate it if you didn't fall, if you let go of the button. Though maybe they did that for a reason, maybe... They thought that that would be a good way to escape at times, but I I don't think so. I feel like the villains are often too fast. If you're to the point where you're climbing, they're going to get you unless you have had just enough head start to get above them. But the climbing is not like in other games like God of War or Prince of Persia, where it is a certain type of surface that you can look at and see that that is a climbing surface. Every climbing surface in this game looks like it belongs in the game and fits in the game and looks like a natural background and looks like everything else. Yeah, it's just like part of the environment. It's not highlighted. So you can open a refrigerator, you can climb up the shelves. Which I got stuck on for ages. (laughs) You can climb up books you can climb up dishes you can climb up just so many things cabinets and it looks beautiful it feels natural in a way that most other games don't do they don't handle it this well so i think that that mechanic it works well it works with the kind of grabbing button so you don't need to have an extra button attached it works very very well works it works better than the jumping that's for sure (laughs) yeah well that would be a kind of detriment uh the jumping particularly if you're doing any sort of 
jumping forward or backward into the screen and that kind of 2.5D scenario. Yeah, that, that didn't work well. There were other times where you would jump to catch something and it seemed like you just couldn't. In the speed run I saw, there was a, a hook that he couldn't get. And he's like, why can I never get that hook? It almost seems like the game is designed so that you can't catch the first one. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, so those kind of things, yeah, that would be kind of a, a detriment. Oh, on, on the plates, when you climb up the plates. Is that what you mean? No, it's, uh, I think, before that, when you're just before the chef levels. So, like, you have to jump on to a wrapped body ah, and then yeah. jump on a hook, but he couldn't get to that first hook. And he's like, why can I never get the first hook? One thing that I loved, though, in the chef levels was the sausage puzzle, Yeah, I guess. Where it's very obvious what you need to do. Jumping into the chute to get to where the meat is is not. Again, jumping is a problem. But that whole idea of I need to get meat so that it will create sausages. And the fact that it had the little sausage kind of dangling there to give you the hint of this is what you need to do. I thought was just really, really beautifully done. I love that puzzle. I love the kind of flesh tsunami of running away and and jumping it's that kind of indiana jones tomb raider feel of adrenaline and and escape there were a lot of really good moments in this game as you said before the sound i think the sound is amazing i think the way that it works a lot of times in conjunction with things like the hunger with uh when you are running and the sound changes to reflect that there's just a lot of great, great things going on here. Some frustrating things. I have found the jumping frustrating. I found quite often walking on things, platforms, rafters, it was very, very easy to fall off. And they didn't seem to have a very good setup for the mechanic of walking on them. So that it was way too easy to just fall off, particularly when going kind of between things around gaps. There was a time where I opened the door, I think after the first main chef part, and you kind of open the door and there's a platform. So there's the moving platform where you have to run across and jump and jump onto a box and then jump onto the ledge after jumping on the box. And that it just felt like this game was not designed for that level of platforming. There was a time where I had to cross on these kind of boards. Most of the boards were missing, so you kind of have to walk in this semicircle around them. But when you jump, you're kind of jumping onto a door handle and then being dropped on the other side, and you kind of barely see at first what's going on. I fell right off there both times I played that one. <laughs> yeah, so it's... It's not perfect. No 40-minute speedrun for you, then? No, definitely not. No. <laughs> it's not perfect, but there are a lot of really, really good moments and good elements to this game that I hope other developers look at and kind of emulate or incorporate into what they're working on. Yeah. One thing that I was disappointed with was, and I hate when games do this, when they show you clips in inverted commas from the game that aren't in the game or that have been cut. There's a if you go to the Steam page, there's a like a video of the door opening and then the janitor's arms coming out to get you. It's not in the game. So I was like, oh, it must be in the DLC. It's not in the DLC. It's nowhere. 
They just invented it and put it in there. That was one of the main things that made me want to get that game because I was like, that's super creepy. I love that. It's nowhere to be seen. That really annoyed me. It's such a minor niggle, but stop putting things in your videos that aren't in your games. Come on. That's false advertising. But yeah, it's like, it's got, another reason I like this game is because it's got a real kind of Tim Burton, kind of creepy feel to it. It's all round pretty good. Just like, just exactly like what you said. There's there's problems with some of the the game mechanics, but overall it's, it was a, it was a fun ride, an expensive ride, but <laughs> fun nonetheless. Um, but at the same time, it still has very positive reviews and it has like 4,800 reviews going for it. So I know that you had told me before that it was getting a bit of hate online because of adding the DLC because it felt like early adopters were punished for getting it and then having to spend a lot to get the DLC. But it still has a very, very positive overall going for it, review-wise. Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely recommend the base game. I would be hesitant to recommend the DLC, to be honest. Um, but yeah, the base game itself is is great. Little nightmare. It took a year to get around to reviewing it, but yeah, it's fun times. Would you th- do? You, do you think Little Nightmares is better than Inside? For me, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, kind of torn. Really? Yeah. Wow. I think because for me the ending of Inside didn't work as well, whereas the ending for this one felt perfect. It felt like it really fit. I think that that ending feeling, like you remember the last part, the best right? It's the freshest in your mind. And it's also the thing where that kind of culminated. I think they both build up to something. They both culminate. But I felt that inside was kind of a mystery box that was just kind of designed to be a mystery box. Little Nightmares, I feel it wasn't designed that way. It wasn't designed to make people question. I kind of feel like it's the game where it was set up. It was made the way it was. And now because people love it, they start to question it and add more to the lore. Whereas inside, it seemed to be leading up to that. It was all about that story and about kind of creating that mystery. So for me, yes, as far as that goes, Little Nightmares, I like the look of Little Nightmares a lot more. I felt like, I don't know, it's just for me a much more fun game than Inside was. Gaps filled and more gaps created. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is there anything else you want to say because you don't want to answer that question I think no I can't I, I mean I don't know I'll just leave it running I don't know um, they're both similar but they're both very different to me but they're I don't know man I'm on the inside side of the fence more than Little Nightmares even though I mean I, I played I played Little Nightmares first which is why I went head over heels with it but when I played inside even we talked about that before you're like oh what about Little Nightmares and I felt like I was cheating on it. But yeah, I probably have to go with inside. If I was to actually choose a choose a a side to to pick, I'd go with inside. Which one would you be more likely to play again? Inside. There you go. I think that says a lot. Yeah. Alright. I might have to cut and paste that. That's fine. Gaps filled and more gaps created.